Our first reading this morning is from the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 20. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am. For you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Our psalm today is Psalm 63, verses 1 through 9. Please read responsibly by half verse. (laughs) O God, you are my God. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. Because your steadfast love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. When I remember you upon my bed. For you have been my help. My soul clings to you. 
But those who seek to destroy my life Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, as now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The New Testament reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-20. through 20. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and will also raise raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin as a, a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. The word of the Lord. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. I believe it's from John. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph Nathanael said to him can anything good come out of Nazareth 
Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Would you join me in prayer? Make us servants obedient to your call, O Almighty God, that the word of the Lord would be known and your saving grace to all generations. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. If you could choose a superpower and your choices were invisibility or flight, what would you choose? You know, it's actually a psychological personality test, turns out. Uh, and it, it may distract you from the rest of the sermon just thinking about it. <laughs> I've got a superhero story for you today from our Old Testament reading. Uh, I believe Samuel is something special. And uh, I, I don't think that's a leap. He will be a judge at the time when that was the uh, humanly uh, authority for Israel. Uh, that he would interpret God's word to them and settle disputes. He was one, one of those judges. He obviously has a, a prophet in his role as well and priest. Uh, he'll even be a kingmaker for the first two kings of Israel, Saul and David, by anointing them. And he is uh, also a miracle child, and he is a big part of God's plan unfolding uh, in his time and looking forward. And all good superheroes have origin stories. And uh, if you look at Samuel, uh, the first Samuel, chapters one and two are the superhero origin story of the Lord's chosen priest, Samuel. And I know the reading was long already, but I almost wanted to put the first two chapters in too. So I'll do some paraphrasing as quickly as I can to catch you up uh, in case you are, uh, uh, don't remember or haven't heard uh, how Samuel came to be. So uh, his family uh, was a husband with two wives, his mother was one of those two wives, uh, and what happened was there was one wife who was bearing children and one who desperately desired to, but could not. Uh, she was barren. And uh, her, uh, the other uh, sister wife, I guess you would say, was giving her a hard time about all that. Uh, and I want to just put an aside here that sometimes the Bible is criticized for being pro-polygamy in the Old Testament. But uh, I love Tim Keller's answer, which is, if you look at every case of polygamy in the Old Testament, you will find that it often is uh, accompanied with very hard times. And so it is not just by virtue of being present an endorsement. In fact, here you could find another reason why it's probably not a good idea. Uh, and so in, in this story, this, uh, the barren wife, uh, when they go up uh, annually to make sacrifice, she throws herself on the steps of the temple there in Shiloh and prays for a miracle from the Lord, 
please give me a child. And she says, Lord, if you give me a child, I will dedicate that child to your service all of his life. And uh, then that happens. The Lord opens her womb. She has Samuel. And when he is done being weaned, she brings him to Eli, the priest in the temple at Shiloh, and says, he's, he's a gift to the Lord. And she will go on to have uh, five more children after that. Uh, and so her uh, faith in the Lord and this miracle produces this child who is solely and utterly dedicated to the service of the Lord from his earliest days. He is uh, almost the, uh, the young assistant to the priest in the temple. Uh, as we read in our reading, I do want you to have in front of you uh, that page four of our bulletin, that first Samuel three. Uh, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. Uh, I would like to do more study on that verse there about, about that. But all that to say, the word rare there uh, means very valuable, like a, like a gem. Uh, the rarity of it uh, was important. Uh, this is talking about a time different from ours, where uh, it was very uncommon for anyone to hear from the Lord or to know what the Lord's will was here in this way. The, the system of priesthood and sacrifice and vi- visitation to the temple, that's all going on. But that the Lord would speak was, uh, was a rare thing. Although in the chapter right before this, there is this strange visitor prophet who will speak to Eli about uh, the downfall of his house. I encourage you to go back and read it on your own time, First uh, Samuel chapter 2. But basically, the, the problem is that Eli has two grown sons who are serving in the temple who are making a huge mess of everything. Now, two examples are given of how, what they're doing. The first being that it was customary for the priests to be able to take one forkful of a meat sacrifice for themselves. Well, these guys came up with their own fork that didn't have two prongs, it had three prongs. Uh, And so they got really good at taking really big pieces of meat, which the Lord says those were the best pieces for themselves. Uh, Secondly, when uh, women would come to make sacrifice in the temple, uh, they would take them by force and have relations with them. Um, These two priests would do this. And the Lord says, uh, the promise that I made to you in the past, that your family would be the priestly family, uh, I'm taking that back. You have made a real mess of this. You have not only sinned against man, but more than that, you have stolen and, and sinned against God. And so your house will be destroyed, uh, and there will be a new person given the role. And so that is the, the stage is set for the, the young boy, Samuel. It says in verse 2 that Eli's eyesight has begun to, to grow dim, given that he has adult sons, and we're guessing that he's up in age. But it seems as though what he's done is delegated to the boy Samuel the task of keeping the, the flame that must not go out overnight, uh, that he's the one to watch it. Uh, Eli's vision prevents him from doing that job well, and he'd rather be cozy in his own bed anyway. So the boy Samuel is there in the temple tending the flame. Uh, a perfect place to hear from God. Now, interestingly, there is Old Testament writing about a tent of meeting at Shiloh, but this passage shows us there are, there are features of the description of the building that seems as though a tent at some point became a temple building. And we'd we'd love to know more about that, or I would, Uh, but I at least find it as an encouragement in our own setting that what was once a tent became a building and they worship there. So uh, hope for us, even in these cold months. Uh, So, uh, yes, there we are. So that flame must be kept. Eli's too old. Samuel is awoken by what he perceives to be an audible voice. Uh, And we'll come back to that. 
But this voice he mistakes for Eli in bed, and he runs over to see what he can do for the master, uh, his mentor in the priesthood here. And uh, Eli, probably much annoyed by being awoken in the middle of the night, uh, sends him back, uh, although he doesn't express that annoyance seemingly to Samuel. Uh, And then another time happens again. And then a third time, and it's Eli who perceives this must be the Lord calling to Samuel. Now, why do I point that out? There is, I think, value in seeing that uh, the young Samuel, even though he would be the Lord's chosen instrument for this uh, whole next season of salvation history, he needs the mentorship of the older generation to teach him something about how to interact with the Lord. Eli says, say this back. And then all of a sudden, uh, Samuel and the Lord have the ability to hear and understand one another. But he needed that mentorship. Now, I would say that if you're someone who is saying, I've never heard the audible voice of the Lord speak to me and tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. I I understand that. How about uh, if we follow this pattern, which is if you seek out the mentorship of uh, a more experienced Christian who can say, Have you tried this? Have you prayed this way? Have you spent time in this manner? That maybe they could unlock for you a new interaction with the Lord in which you could hear more specifically and understand what it is the Lord is calling you to do. Now, at the same token, this is a transfer. Whereas Eli has been in the role of interpreting God's will for the people, that is now over because God will tell Samuel the news for Eli. And so Samuel, although he needed to learn from his, uh, his overseer how to speak with the Lord, that, that mantle is being passed to the young boy. And now Eli needs Samuel to know what it is the Lord is saying. So uh, the passing down to the next generation is also an important thing. And I think uh, there is, in all the judgment that's going to fall on Eli and his house, there is something admirable about the way he takes the news. But... Uh, all that to say, let me uh, uh, pause there and tell you more about why I think this Samuel is uh, comparable to a superhero, which is to say that a lot of the patriarchs and heroes of the Old Testament, they offer mixed witness. Now, what I mean by mixed witness is they have their high points and their low points in, in accordance with their uh, ability and uh, obedience to the Lord. Uh, Moses, for example has uh, highs and lows, uh, murdered an Egyptian, uh, gets drunk later in his life uh, towards the end of the promised land, uh, disobeyed God a few times in the striking of the rock for water, other things like this. David, great example, very high highs, bringing the Ark of the Covenant back, uh, but also uh, committing murder and adultery in the same action, uh, and then coming to repent of that. Um, uh, Jonah, uh, terrible witness, I would say, and yet God's chosen instrument anyway, wanting the destruction of the Ninevites. Uh, Jeremiah complains for most of the first half of the book about being a prophet, uh, and then King Saul, uh, you know, very little to hold up about King Saul, the first king of Israel. But Samuel, not a mixed witness. Everything you see in Samuel seems to be righteous. Now, he will get frustrated with the people, and God will say, yeah, me too, uh, as we read Last week when he talked about that they had forsaken God to have an earthly king. Uh, But Samuel seems to be just right down the line righteous. And what is Samuel's superpower? I would submit to you that it's only one thing. Obedience to God. That's his superpower. And what sets him apart from all these other mixed witnesses 
in the Old Testament, that the boy Samuel grew up to be and continued to be obedient to the call of God. But you have to understand that that was hard from the very first moment. It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows following God's plan for Samuel's life. In fact, what was the, uh, the first message that Samuel was given from the Lord? It was, as you see, uh, that it's time to judge Eli's house, Eli's house and his sons. Let's see where that we find that. It's on the next page there. I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end, and I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned by sacrificing or offering forever. Uh, part of this I would also submit is that because the sins they were doing were in the sacrificing, uh, there, is, there is a greater weight there. Uh, but also, you see, why is Eli caught up in this? He seems to be an obedient servant to God and a good mentor to Samuel. It says why. It says that, uh, that he didn't restrain his sons. Now, in chapter 2, Eli will tell his sons that they're sinning, but that doesn't seem to change the behavior. And so there was a responsibility either younger in their lives or currently where Eli could have intervened in a more powerful way and, and taken away this, this iniquity from the house. Uh, but you see what they were doing. These were shepherds who were supposed to care for the sheep, and they basically ate the sheep instead. Uh, they were wolves in sheep's clothing, and God is not going to tolerate that for his intermediaries, for his people. So imagine your young boy Samuel. You're tending the flame. You're hearing this voice. All of a sudden, you realize... Uh, that God is speaking to you, and his message is you need to tell the person who takes care of you and mentors you that I'm going to destroy him and his sons. Okay, go ahead, tell him. And it says uh, that Samuel waited until morning. Uh, make of that what you will, but I don't know that he went back to sleep. Uh, he probably stood there looking at the ceiling or the flame, trying to figure out how he's going to deliver this message and what's going to happen to him when he does. Uh, the phrase, don't shoot the messenger, comes to mind pretty dramatically in this one. And so it says in 15, then they opened the doors to the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli, as you can imagine. But Eli called Samuel and said, my son, here I am. And he said, tell me everything and don't hide a thing. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And what is uh, Eli's response? It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. He accepts the judgment and realizes his position and understands how he got where he got and knows that the Lord is on the throne and that's what it's going to be. It's his, he's in command, he's sovereign, he's the king, let him decide. And so there ends the house of Eli. It says in verse 19, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground, which is a phrasing I really enjoy. Let none of his words fall to the ground, and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba, which means from the bottom to the top, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. So this miracle child, who was obedient to the Lord, becomes the Lord's instrument in a time when hardly anyone could hear from the Lord directly, Samuel could. And he seems to have been, uh, again, a superhero whose main power was obedience. And we have that foiled against the older sons of Eli, whose supervillain power was disobedience, uh, for, for, for the sake of that comparison. So uh, that's what I would like us to think about today is all that it takes to be an instrument of God's will, both at that time and this time, is obedience to what he's calling us to. 
it might take us a little bit to get tuned into how we hear and how we listen. And we might depend on each other for how to discern that and to know where to find those opportunities, those places to serve. But that's what we're after, is obedience to God's will. Just as young boy Samuel says, here I am, Lord, I think that's the heart posture that we as Christians are to have. And I have to say, over this last several years of this particular ministry, many of you have been here I am, Lord, people. And if I spent the rest of my ministry thanking you for that, it wouldn't be enough. And we still need more people to say, here I am, Lord, for what I believe he's calling us to in this next chapter. It's time for us all to step forward in faith into what the Lord is doing. It may be a very difficult task. It may be something we don't want to do at all. But if the Lord says it, we must be obedient in it. I'll read for you also (coughs) from Hebrews chapter 7. One thing I see here as a theme is that Jesus was also said, as we read in, in Hebrews last week, a high priest forever, the one who makes intercession from us. He was a better option than those priests in the first century who had their own sins and also had their own failings and needed to sacrifice for themselves as well as everyone else over and over again in this cycle that never really did the work. But also here, Samuel is not a Levite. He is this miracle child of this woman who uh, prayed for a son. And so God is now working parallel to, but outside of, that line. And I believe in this way, many ways, Samuel points us forward to our Lord Jesus Christ. Very similar, isn't it, that this obedient son, uh, this miracle child, would make intercession for the people, that his words would not fall to the ground, that the Lord would speak through him and issue a call. You see in our gospel passage today that Jesus face-to-face calls people to follow him. And this interaction with Philip, who's surprised that Jesus already seems to know him somehow. And if you go back to our passage today for, for Samuel, there by the flame in the temple, it says the Lord came and stood and spoke, which I would love to, to know much more about what exactly, what, what image did Samuel see when the Lord stood and spoke to him? Did it look something like Jesus, perhaps? I don't know. But Jesus has come now, and the word of the Lord is not rare. It's plentiful. You can hold it in your hands, and you can hear it in prayer by the Spirit. The Lord is now, Lord, spoken many times and in many ways. But in these last days, he has spoken through his Son, Jesus Christ, who is our high priest. Verse 7, chapter 7, verse 11 of Hebrews says, Now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise? after the order of Melchizedek, rather than the one named after the order of Aaron. This Jesus has fulfilled all righteousness. He was obedient, just like Samuel, but even more so, obedient unto death on a cross. That is the one who has offered himself as the sacrifice, not stolen the sacrifice for his own sake, but giving of himself fully, so that you might have access to to God's word to you his call to you, his enlisting you into his service of bringing about a new kingdom where all that is broken will be mended. We need to be obedient to this call. I challenge you today in worship to open your ears and your heart to the leading of the Holy Spirit that you may discern together with us how you go forward in obedience to God's will. And in that, you'll be superheroes. Amen.